even though we know the story of Christmas so well, we never tire of hearing this very beautiful story of the manifestation of Christ on this feast of Epiphany. And indeed, this story of Epiphany has uh, garnered the attention of artists and poets over the ages. And you just might think about the own, your own Christmas cards that you have received in the past weeks and how many of those cards depicted this uh, very beautiful scene. And as you, as you, you yourselves have come to our own beautiful um, scene of the uh, birth of Christ here, um, you know, the, always the three kings uh, play a very prominent part of our creche every year and in every creche, wherever it is, depicted. And so there is something so very, very important about this feast today. And so we might ask ourselves, you know, who were, who were these people? Who were these magi? We know what they meant, that they, the magi uh, speak about the manifestation of Christ to all the ages for all time, that Christ came for all peoples. But that does not tell us very much about them, about themselves. Is this just a story that was made up? Or does this story help us as well to believe much more deeply as well? Can their discovery of the Christ, can their discovery help us to discover our faith more deeply as well? Over the last uh, several years, scholars have poured a lot of energy into trying to look and understand more deeply who the Magi were, what the star was, many of the elements of this beautiful story. Who were the Magi? Most likely they were scientists of the ancient world. Not scientists like we have scientists today. Of course, they didn't have um, modern-day telescopes or anything like that. Um, they didn't study in universities, but um, nevertheless, there were they were quasi-scientists, you might say. Um, ancient kings had scholars at their, at their beck and call. And they studied the natural world. Um, and um, one of the most famous of these was uh, in Babylon, um, which would be modern-day Iraq. And indeed, uh, it existed for a long time before Christ. In fact, uh, the prophet Daniel, when they were put into exile, when the Jewish people put into exile some 600 years before Christ was born. He became a part of this group of, of uh, scientists in that, in, that particular, uh, in that particular country. It's very possible that the Magi came from that particular area of the world. The explanation of the star, though, is, is much, more, much more complex. That continues to be a very, very mysterious reality. People have probed it, and there's many, many interesting explanations about it. There's not, there's not just one. We spend the whole morning here talking about what the star is. We could possibly set up a planetarium here in our, in our dome, okay, and take a look at the sky and what it was like when Christ was born, and still not really come to understand what it was. But there are some interesting things that we can say about what this star was. Most likely, we know that the star was not some superstar, some nova, 
or some comet or, or anything like that or a great meteor. These things would have been very, very obvious to everyone in the ancient world at that time. And yet, one of the interesting little things that you see in the story that we heard today is that King Herod and his advisors did not know about this star. They did not notice it at all. But the Magi did. Of course, they were people who who studied the heavens. They paid very, very close attention to it. There was something there. So we look back, and we can, we can. of course, scientists today can go back into the heavens, back to the time when Christ was born, and they can reimagine what the sky would have been like. And was there anything in the sky, say, in 3 or 4 B.C., that would have garnered their attention? In fact, there were some things, something that would have been, so to speak, extraordinary in terms of the ordinary. And there is, in fact, something that's very interesting to look at there, something that we even maybe kind of pay attention to. You know, one of the very bright things that appear periodically in the skies, people talk about this now when looking, about, looking at what the star might have been, and about the realignment of the planets. We know sometimes that planets like um, Jupiter and Venus are very, very bright in the sky, and every once in a while, they converge and come very close together. In fact, they did that just not too very long ago in the sky. And I won't get all this, some very, very complex explanations about this, won't get into that, but some people that theorized that there was this convergence of, of these planets, these planets that converged in the eastern sky that they would have noticed above, indeed, above Bethlehem. And this could have gone, of course, beyond the notice of, of Herod and many of the people at this time. But the Magi who paid very, very close attention to the heavens, it would not have been beyond their notice. But I think maybe in terms of trying to understand the appreciation of this in terms of the Christmas story is that to know that God did not suspend the, the, the rules of nature. God did not just, you know, drop into the heavens some great star. But God always works in terms of the world of nature to speak to us in our own lives. And I think that one of the beautiful things is that God, from the very, very beginning of time, when God said to speak, set the universe's clock in motion, he already foresaw Christmas Day when Christ was going to be born, and that he could manifest to the world and to all the nations the birth of his Son in this particular way. So this is the way that he could lead, lead those who are outside to the birth of Christ. It's a reminder to all of us, I think, that we all need divine guidance to Christ in our lives as well. We need a star to lead us to Christ in our lives as well. And we need to pay attention. Oftentimes, we, we miss this. We miss these, we miss the extraordinary, so to speak, in the ordinary. So where are, where are these stars in our lives today? I would say that just this year, that Pope Francis, his election, his being chosen, has been like a a guiding star for our church and for our world in many, many kinds of ways. 
one of the things, just one thing, I could, I could speak of many ways, but one thing that, that really struck me was, you know, we were about to, to, to the, the war in Syria. I mean, there's a terrible war still going on there. But the whole Mideast was about to, so to speak, blow up. We as a country, as you know, were about to go there. We were about to bomb that country. And that would have created that thing to even get worse than it already is. What did Pope Francis do? Pope Francis called for the whole world to pray. And he himself went on St. Peter's Square there and, and prayed not just for an hour, but he prayed for hours. He himself was for a whole night, just himself, with a hundred thousand people, just in silent prayer. Silent prayer. And he asked the whole world to pray and fast that day in September. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Negotiations started. And we didn't bomb. We didn't bomb Syria. That's, that's when it started to happen, after the Pope prayed. See, that's, that's what I'm speaking about, a star, a star that has appeared. Another example. Yesterday, we celebrated our patronal feast, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. She, too, I believe, is a star for us as a parish, for us as a country, she was, as you know, the first native-born saint um, for our church in the United States. She started the first community of women religious in our country. She's a heroic figure. She's the one who personally started parochial Catholic schools in our country. And, and um, we, as a parish, one of the first parishes to be named in her honor when we as a parish were founded. Now, I've been thinking about all these firsts. What does this mean for us? It has to mean something. This woman of firsts, and we being first as well. So how are we going to be first? How are we as a parish going to be first now? How are we going to be leaders of the faith? How are we going to be leaders of the faith in our community how are we going to be a star? Not rock stars, but how are we going to lead others to Christ? As Elizabeth Ann Seton did. That's what we're called to do. That's what it means. That's what it means. The gospel ends in a very interesting way today. Matthew does not give us a road map of how the Magi went back to their homes. It simply says that they departed for the country by another route. When leaving here today, our lives too should reflect a change that results from the same encounter that we have had with Christ after we have met him. Our life is never the same. We might, as this new year begins, say, How, how's my life going to be different? now that I have met Christ. Something for us to consider for the new year. Today, as we celebrate the Feast of Epiphany, we rejoice that our God continues to be made manifest to people 
for all ages. And it happens right here as we celebrate the Eucharist today in ways that the the Magi could have never conceived. Our God continues to guide the universe as he guided the Magi. May we gladly follow where he wishes to lead us in the new year.